Hey guys, it's Mike. Before we get into episode 35, I want to let you in on something that I am extremely excited about. My website has finally launched and it's official. You can find all of my episodes there, but what I'm most excited about is the shop. That thing took me a long time. The website itself took a while. The shop took a while how to put everything up. Uh, I'm sort of a perfectionist, so it had to be done properly and perfectly. And I think that's what I did. And I think it is just that. Uh, I love it. I hope that you're able to go and support it and buy a couple things. I've got shirts, hats, a pullover, socks, coffee mug, hoodies. So that's it. MikedUpPod.com or MikedUpPod.com slash shop. By the way, I am given 10% off right now. There's a promo code. It is thank you without a space. So thank you. And that'll get you 10% off. Let's get into this episode. Buy property because God's not making more land. If you hustle, if you work your butt off, you're going to find a way to survive. It's not going to be easy. It's going to be tough, but you're going to find opportunity in this city. On episode 35, I bring in a very close friend, actually my original co-host from, oh, 15 years ago. That show was called Eminem Sports Talk. His name, Misak Tokmanian. Misak has bounced around a bit in his young career, from journalism to sports talk radio to hard money lending. Happy to report he's finally found his calling, real estate. We dive deep into what in the world is happening to the market during a pandemic. Just when you think it'll become a buyer's market, it's done the opposite. Here we go. Enjoy. What is it, about 10 years ago when the Eminem Sports Talk started? I wonder if we can go back and find the date of when it all started. Because 10 years ago seems like a blink of an eye. That was 2010. I want to say we were prior to that, right? We were like 2006. Absolutely. Actually, if I think about it, I started college in 04, 05. So yeah, that was right there. 06, 07. Maybe prior to that. Yeah, like Un- between 04 and 06. Believable. The studio, it's the same studio, by the way. Unbelievable. Looks a little different. Talk about LA. I feel like I'm in like a Beverly Hills hip studio. You know, we got Chick Hearn, Vin looking at me. How about the couch, the old school couch that we had here? And then we had the little cameras set up. You know what? We were pioneers. We were like Adam Carolla when he was doing podcasts when no one heard it. Po- we were doing it before him. Dude, we were way ahead of our time. We really were. Pioneers, trailblazers. <laughs> and look at us now. You know, we got caught looking. <laughs> Bat on our shoulders. <laughs> I want to bring you on today. Well, let, let, let's get into some of the history as to what you've done in your career. You kind of in the radio business prior, and then you got into, you were working for Lone Mart. Yeah, I but, got into marketing in the financial world, and I've been in finance ever since, actually. You and I met in school. We went to the same high school. We did. And then we reconnected on Match.com. It was J-Date. <laughs> Actually, it was letsgokings.com's message board. Crazy. For you kids at home, message boards are like group chats for public people. 
<laughs> Think about that. So I graduated in 2001 in high school. You graduated in 2003? Four. 2004. So I think that's when we kind of reconnected because I was on the same message board for the Kings, the LA Kings, the hockey team, right? Let's go Kings.com. And so there was this thing that you can bid out and uh, be in with Bob Miller and Jim Fox at the time. And you were kind of their like third wheel-ish, right? It was, I forget what the promotion was called. I can't believe it. Um, it was something like a king for a day or something like that. And 18, 19 years old, whatever, how old, I think I was 17, 18, I, I found my my parents' credit card, or it was my, I don't even remember, and I said, I'm bidding, I don't care what it costs, to be in the studio with Bob and Jim, that was um, unprecedented uh, privileges, and I did it, I, I, I won the package, and I got to spend the period with them, a period with the the radio team, uh, Nick Nixon, Daryl Evans, and then uh, they just walked me around the bowels of Staples, it was like, Basically, Christmas morning for a sports fan, especially a Kings fan. Yeah, what an experience. Do you remember what you paid? It's like 14, 1500 bucks, something okay. like that. Worth every penny. I, and you I, wanted to get in the field at the time, too, right? I so mean, you wanted to kind of see what they were doing and you, how their day me, was. We have the same goals and desires to be in and around sports. And at the time, it, it didn't seem plausible. So just to do that for one day was like, this is it. Let's I, do it. This is amazing. Yeah. And everyone was great it was everything you would imagine and more and then you worked for am 570 and then you know some friends kept telling me like you love these radio shows things like that why don't you actually like pursue it go try to get in and i did i was adamant i was persistent and i got through the door i kicked my way through the door and i stayed for almost seven years you were producing the show right petros and money you know towards the end yeah i was the assistant producer for a nationally syndicated show on fox sports radio and obviously locally here it was a crazy time it was like to live a dream is an understatement and a lot of cool perks came with it i was think about it early 20s sports fan los angeles i got to be in the locker room with the kings during their stanley cup run I was in the locker room interviewing Daryl Sutter, the players. I saw things in there that wasn't pretty. Players walking around naked, angry after a loss, attitudes. The side of the players you'd never see. I experienced, I was like, it was like Truman Show. Like, I didn't believe it was happening. It was so much fun. It was so interesting. It was surreal. The Be- word is surreal. Because AM570 sent you to do these interviews, right? This is how the hockey world in Los Angeles was in the early 2000s. The Kings hadn't won a cup. No one really cared outside of the hardcore hockey fans. I told my boss, I said, listen, we don't have any hockey coverage, like a legit hockey reporter. Let me go. Let me do it. And they said, sure. You want to actually go to the Kings games? Uh-huh. I said, yeah. Hmm. Get me a pass. He said, okay. They everyone had passes in the station. They just never utilized it. They would go to every Laker game, and once every month they'd probably go to a Clipper game. They wouldn't even think about covering a Kings game. They would not talk hockey, and I would go just to collect the reports and just kind of be there to have a the face of the station there. Every now and then they might ask me about it, but no one wanted to cover the Kings. And I remember when after games I would text you questions. I'd be yeah. like, dude, go ask Dustin Brown why he did this. Or <laughs> yeah, it, <laughs> like, it, it was it was a very unusual time pre Stanley Cup, obviously for the Kings. I got to, it was amazing to ask the players questions to get in on that level. It was just, you can't do that in any other city. Imagine trying to do that in Toronto. They chew you up and speak. Yeah, who are you? Why are you here? What are your credentials? 
in Los Angeles, I got the credentials. I had the willingness and the passion for it. Not many others did in the area that I was working. So it was a, it was a blast. You got into Loan Mart, um, what high interest loans. It was a, it, let me quickly tell her story. I was working at the radio station. Tim Conway Jr. of KFI came in, AM 640. And, you know, we know him in passing because we all work on the same floor every day. And he says, hey, I, 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 one of these companies sponsors my show and they're trying to do a radio show. They need another producer. Do you want another job? Do you want to just pr- pick up another show to produce? I said, sure. Yeah. Okay. Give me the number. He's like, call this guy. It happened to be the CEO of a, you know, $100 million company. And I call him. I said, hey, Tim Conway gave me your number and you're looking to do a show. And he's like, I know you. I know Misak from AM570. Come on in. Let's chat. And that turned into a, a job in their marketing department and producing a radio show for them. We didn't even talk about the job, salary, nothing. He didn't look at my resume. He just knew me from the show and was just getting a kick out of talking to somebody at the radio station. And then he's like, yeah, I need help in marketing. Just start. Talk to HR. They'll get you on board. They started paying me much better than the radio station did. And and then after a while, I was like, I need to quit the radio station. There's a lot of work to be done here. And it was a company that was about to explode. They were so small, but getting really big. And I wore many hats and started in marketing, did everything in between for a company like you mentioned, high interest loans, subprime technically is what it's called. Our average interest rate was about 90%. Mm. And it's a short-term, high-interest loan. How bad did you feel fulfilling those loans? It, it, I Luckily, I didn't deal with the customers directly. I dealt with more of the marketing and sponsorships and that such. But it is tough. When, you, when a customer calls you at that point, you are their last resort. So it was tough. I wasn't... I, I wasn't the best feeling knowing that you're putting people into a loan like that. And there was a lot of, uh, you know, negative feedback about us. So we had to counteract that with a lot of marketing, a lot of, you know, sponsorships. Hulk Hogan was our voice for many years. Got to interact with Hulk Hogan. Like how, how that ever happened is like beyond me. Like one day you're sitting watching wrestling and then one day you're working with Hulk Hogan. It was just weird. My life has been craziness. Was that in the middle of his sex? No, this was after. This was him rebuilding his career after the racist comments, things like that, and the sex tape, like you said. Wow, I forgot about that. Did any of that come up in any conversations? Like You know anybody? what? Yeah, just off camera, we'd sit around talking. You know, late night, you're producing commercials and stuff. It's long hours. You're sitting around with the guy. We're talking about scripts and, you know, plot lines and storyboarding. And yeah, we just, so how's family, this, dad? And he just complained like, man, I made so many mistakes and I'm mm. trying to rebuild my family. This is arguably the most iconic person in American pop culture, not only sports, but the guy can't go to LAX. If his flight's at three, he has to get there at one o'clock because by the time he walks through the place, he's been stopped 20 times and he'll miss his flight. If he's only there a half hour, early. the guy's iconic, but he had to basically start from scratch. Cause he, you know, he put himself in that situation. Yeah. So he was willing to take on sponsorships that the normal Hulk Hogan may not. So we offered him, you know, lucrative money and he took it and he was our voice and our face for many years. It really helped us. It gave us a lot of notoriety. Lone Mart's still around or is somebody buying? They them? are. They, well, they got purchased. Our our original owner sold out for uh, to a big private investment group in New York, big Manhattan suits type. They're not doing well as much now because... California has a lot of regulations, and recently the, the, the Department of Business Oversight 
capped the interest rate. So now they're capped at like 36%. Wow. So Compared to 90%. Yes. Yeah, so Ooh. business has significantly shifted. The dynamic of the business has changed too because this is early 2010, 2011, uh, that time. The economy was rebuilding, you know. We had just come out of um, just a weird phase with the, the real estate. recession all that. Yes. Yeah. And the market needed us, needed that type of product. Now, with you know Uncle Trump in office, the uh, the economy is booming. No one needs a high interest loan. They can get a credit card. They can get a personal loan for hmm. pennies on the dollar now. Thus, that segment of the financial world is struggling. That guy who hired you is he still on board? Oh no, he was bought out during the transition. He did very well. Uh, his name is Oscar Rodriguez. Uh, What's he doing? He'll, he'll now? probably listen to this podcast. His He's living the life, man. He cashed out. He made a lot of prudent decisions early in his life. And he's doing. he started a few side businesses. So he's surviving. He's doing well. He goes RVing. He's big into off-road racing. He picked up magic. Like when you make good decisions wow. early in your life, you get to do your hobbies as for fun. You know, How old of a guy? He's probably in his 50s now, early awesome. 50s. Great guy. Good for him. One last question. Started about, from nothing too. Good for him. One last question about the, uh, the high interest loans with Loan Mart. What were they doing? Were they putting up their cars for collateral? Yeah. Let's say you needed three, four grand to carry you over for whatever reason. Maybe it doesn't matter what that reason is, but you own your car. What you would do is essentially do a home, like a home equity line of credit, but off your car. Mm -hmm. So you would use the value of your car as equity to pull uh, and get yourself money instantly. Like basically in 24 hours you by from you calling us to getting a wire to your bank. So if your car's worth 10 grand, we'd give you like, maybe up towards a six to seven grand. So loan to value is 60, 70%. Yeah, but at the very high interest rate. Yeah. Per month, it was about 8% per month. So if you calculate that over a 36-month term, mm. it adds up very quickly. My God. So now you're into real estate. I'm in real estate and I still work in finance, actually. I keep reading articles about real estate. I keep tabs on real estate. I love real estate. I enjoy it. And when this pandemic hit, I, was w I wasn't waiting for this type of moment, but I was waiting for a moment where there, I, I guess you'd call it a correction in the real estate market. Mm -hmm. And I'm waiting, I'm waiting, because I feel like I've got you know some liquid where I want to kind of dump into the market. Right. You and many others right now. Rental income, maybe for myself, whatever, right? Duplex, triplex, single family homes commercial and so i'm you know march hits and this pandemic hits and i was like okay this might be the time here we go this is my time to pounce you know and my god everything but that you know the analogy of supply and demand has been the, the basically the face and the label of what this is the demand is soaring the supply is dwindling there and let me break it down as to why this is happening if you notice right now, a house will come on the market. Within days, you'll see a sign on top of the sign that says in escrow or sold. There is not enough houses being sold for the amount of buyers. But many would ask, wait a second, half the country is not working. How is this happening? Well, a big segment what the media is trying to portray is that the whole country is starving and all that. But there's still a huge segment of the population working. Because life does go on despite some of the efforts of our local politicians trying to stifle the economy. There's many people working and there's still many people growing and, you know, evolving in their life. And they want to move forward for whatever reason. Their kids' schools change, whatever. They need a new house. They need a bigger house. So what happens? They get some money. You know, they're working hard. Or grandma, grandpa have left them a house 
inheritance, whatever, they get some liquid in their pocket and they say, you know what? We're going to get that house we've been looking for despite the fears. The other problem is there's a, a segment of the population that maybe their business slowed down or they're closed because of Newsom's orders. And then there's a fear that, okay, if they were planning on selling their house, now they're waiting. So what happens is segment of population that still wants to buy and then a big segment of the population doesn't want to sell. Then you have this irregularity of too many buyers to too little sellers. Let me give you some numbers. And an average home buyer in Los Angeles County these days, it was about, I would say, five buyers to one seller previously before March 2020. So every house that would come up for sale, on average, you'd have about five buyers interested that were serious enough to contend for the house. Now, because there's not a lot of houses being for sale because of fears and hesitation because of the election and the pandemic, there's now 10 to one ratio. So that means there's 10 people looking at one singular house. Well, what happens? The price goes up. It's a supply and demand. It's simple economics. But with your experience, are you seeing singles buying homes? Are you seeing new couples buying homes? Are you seeing families buying homes? It, it, it skews more to couples and families, obviously, because dual incomes changes everything, especially in the line, in the eyes of a lender. It's mostly couples. It's a lot of young couples, believe it or not, or young families. And I, like I said, I, I could attribute it to a number of things. One is people are still working, saving up, making money, and they don't want to pay rent. Why are they going to pay 2500 in rent when they can struggle a little bit, borrow some money from mom and dad for the down payment, and then they're paying three grand in a mortgage and not burning their money down the drain? So what happens is they think, wait a second, instead of me paying 2500 for that swanky new loft in downtown, I'm going to go to the suburb you know, humble myself a little bit, struggle a little bit as far as luxuries, but then I'm putting away money for myself and my future and I'm not paying rent because guess what? Despite a pandemic, rental costs in Los Angeles keep going up. New York, on the other hand, because there's been a mass exodus, rental costs have gone down in New York, but comparing Los Angeles and New York is it's like not even the same planet. Well, New, I think three people live in New York now. There's a lot of people thinking and trying to leave New York just because of, you know, if you're trying to be socially distanced, and I hate that term, you don't want to be in Manhattan where you live in a tin box, you know. How much are housing sales geared towards low rates? That's a big part of it. President Trump has done a good job in trying to run the country with a, a business mindset, and he thinks about the regular small business owner. And when interest rates keep staying down and it's not only his doing but a big chunk of it is you know interest rates keep going down and people say like i was saying rental costs have been keep going up like uh, if you look at a graph rental costs have not gone down in southern california in probably decades so rental costs keep going up interest rates go down so your money is although it might be a little harder to together a down payment or borrow from uh, a relative or whatever, it's still a better deal to buy than to rent if you can. Some people cannot and that's okay. But if you cannot, if you can buy these days, you're buying because you're not going to pay rent. And remember that rent, you have nothing to show for it after that lease is done. And there was a study showed that between the ages of 18 and 29, 52% of those people are living at home. Right. Yeah. And guess what happens when you're working, but you're living under mom and dad's roof, 
you're putting a few bucks aside every month if you're smart. And if you're really smart, you're putting it aside. You may have put it in the stock market. And now you have, you know, 30, 40, 50 grand. And with that, you can put down a down payment on a condo. You remember I was uh, mid-20s and I got to buy a condo. And who would have thought back in 2013, everyone told me, oh, my God, you're crazy. You're buying a condo for like 300 grand in Burbank. Guess what? Five years later, I sold it for a profit. And at the time, no one knew that that would be a lucrative decision. But when you buy, even if it's a small, not the exact house you're dreaming of, just get your hands on property. The average home sold, I think you said a pre-show in California, $660,000. The average home in California as of last month, and this is information from the California Association of Realtors. This is public information. You can pull this up online. 666,000 on average. Now that is a very high number. If you look at the national average, the average home in middle America is probably closer to the three or $350,000 range. So just shows you how much more expensive and challenging it is to be a homeowner in California. Plus you have your property taxes and homeowners insurance. It is tough to be in Los Angeles or Southern California, but if you get your hands on it, you're set. It's the greatest investment. I don't care if any financial advisor will tell you otherwise. There is no better investment than property. Even in California. Even more so in California. Yeah. Is there such a good thing as a good deal now in California? Hey, it's Mike. I hope you're enjoying this episode. If you are, please subscribe, follow, and give a nice review. Let's get back to my conversation with Misak. I get that question all the time. When you work in real estate, these are a couple questions that everyone asks is, is there any good deals out there? Is it a good time to buy? And let me answer it this way. Good deal is if it works for you. For you, it might be a good deal. In my eyes, it may not be. Every situation is circumstantial. For me, it might be a good deal because I can afford it. But if you cannot, then for you, it's not a good deal. Now, pre-pandemic, there might have been deals which were better, meaning the owner has to get out quickly for whatever reason they're moving out of the country or the state. So they say, you know what? Okay, I wanted five fifty for the house. Just give me five forty and we'll move forward. Let's just wrap it up quickly. That, in the eyes of a buyer these days, is considered a good deal because you're getting a below list pricing. But these days, that's not going to happen as often as you would think. Now, just about a year ago, I bought a house in the Pasadena area. One of the circumstances uh, that we dealt with was that, exactly. The owner had to leave L.A. for New York for his job, and they were running out of time. And we liked the house. We didn't love the house. So we were kind of, if we were thinking about it, the realtor called me and said, look, what what do we have to do to make you want this house? If you want it, I can make a deal happen. And that's considered a good deal, quote unquote. Now, in normal circumstances in Pasadena in 2019, every house we'd look at, there was a bidding war. But for whatever reason, because of timing, that house, mind you, we didn't buy that house uh, for numerous reasons. It was considered a better deal because we had a little wiggle room. Now, generally speaking, there's not a lot of wiggle room with houses these days, even despite the interest rate being low and you would think Los Angeles, there's a million houses, but there's also a million buyers. So you see the market ever coming down like in the next two years? Again, that's probably the top three question I get is when the, when are the prices going to go down? Realistically, I don't see a crash, quote unquote, or a correction like we saw in 20, uh, 2008, 2010. I really don't. 
what happened about 10 years ago was uncharacteristic and is not going to happen today for numerous reasons. And I can break it down. To answer your question succinctly, no. There might be a slight drop. I'm talking between five to five to six, seven percent. Now to many people, five to six percent discount on a house. Thirty K on your average home in California. Or if you're talking a million dollar house, let's be realistic. Southern California, million dollars for a normal house. Three bedroom, two bathroom, sixteen hundred square foot house, where a normal family could start their life. You're looking around eight hundred to a million. We're talking fifty, sixty K there. Now, that could be the difference between someone qualifying and not qualifying. But in my eyes, that's not a significant drop because there's so many buyers still, it's not going to make a difference. Why would there be a drop? Where would the drop come from? So uh, numerous reasons, one being the election. There's a lot of hesitation and uncertainty right now in the air. As you know, everything is so polarized and there's this fear, not because of the the virus, but because of the election. And uh, the thought process is one of two things. If Trump wins, okay, economy is going to still be stable and we might even, you know, keep evolving and growing. The other end of it is if Biden wins, the economic future is going to be very uncertain. A lot of the business sector is going to crash because of fears and with his drastic changes, there's going to be a lot of changes and thus it's going to trickle down to the real estate market for two reasons. Interest rates are going to go down and then lenders are going to have fear. When the lenders don't want to lend money, what happens? Then people can't buy. If I, you and me walk in during a great and bustling economy, the lender is going to be more than likely to give out a loan. But if they're going to tighten their underwriting guidelines because of fear and a new administration, then you and I may not be likely to get approved for a loan. Thus, we're not going to buy. Thus, the house prices will slowly trickle down. So to answer it again in a few words, I don't see Los Angeles dropping much. It may a little bit, but if you're ever still considering buying, just get your hands on a house. Don't look left and right. Don't nitpick because you know how many buyers I have for the last two, three years, they've been saying, I'm going to wait, I'm going to wait, I'm going to wait. Well, guess what? Now their buying power is a lot less than it was two years ago because the house prices have appreciated over 10%. Well, 10% is a lot of money. It's For a million dollar house, that's $100,000 that's a big difference between you affording a house and not affording the house. One of my favorite lines, I don't know who said it. It's a phrase that someone told me early on and I really, thank God I remembered it. They said, buy property because God's not making more land. Los Angeles, if you go drive to Palm Springs, yeah, there's many, many miles of free space, but no one wants to live there. No one's building houses in the middle of uh, Cabazon, you know, the right by the mall or whatever. People want to be in Southern California within reach of family between uh, Staple, 20 minutes from Staples Center, <laughs> the malls, the movie theaters. So if you can get your hands on anything these days, my recommendation is stop being picky before you lose out and just get your hands on something. And then another thing everyone asks me is, Oh yeah, but you know, it, this the house is, you know, small or this wall is, you know, weird and this and that. I tell everybody, this is not the house you're going to die in. This is your first step. It's a snowball effect. Your first property will lead to your second, third, and then one day you're going to get that house on the hill that you've been dreaming of. But your first one is not going more than likely is not going to be ideal. You remember my first condo? It was the size of this room. Yep. 
But was, guess what? It was fun. It was a blast. You know what? We lived like, you know, like a frat house. It, it was walking distance to the downtown area of Burbank. And you know what? Good times. Yeah. And guess what? At one point or another, my mortgage was less than what it would rent for. And I got lucky. No I wonder Lomart won you in the marketing department. Are you selling all of us right now and buying a house? Buy property, folks. It's simple. <laughs> buy, buy, buy. It's always, good. it's always a good time to God's buy, God's right? not making more, so you buy whatever land you can. What about foreclosures and uh, short sales? Do you ever get in, you ever tap into that stuff? You know, the last any of your three, four years, points? there's been very few. You know, when the economy's doing great, people are paying their uh, property uh, bills and property taxes and everything. They're not foreclosing. They're not going into any issues. But then now what happens in a post-pandemic world is a lot of forbearance. And forbearance is when you tell your lender you can't pay. So they put you on some kind of modification or new payment plan where they might put three, four payments at the end of your loan. But then there's going to be a segment of that forbearance population that is going to go into foreclosure. So looking ahead, there might be more foreclosures coming and more houses where they're going to be bank owned. And there thus might be a little bit more opportunity. But again, because LA is the, we are in the center of the universe here in Los Angeles. There's so much money here that all the cash buyers, investors are going to beat you out on the foreclosures. So everyone that comes to me with like a hundred grand in their bank account thinking like, oh, they're, you know, yeah. Scrooge McDuck, they're going to be real estate investors. Unless you got a couple million sitting in the bank, you have no buying power in this in this market. Yeah. You know, I thought for sure the guy who's got Airbnb, he's got a portfolio of Airbnbs, right? He's got 20, 30, 50, 100 homes, and he's renting them all out on Airbnb or renting them out, period. I figured that guy isn't going to be able to afford his mortgage because people aren't going to be traveling. They're not going to be using his Airbnbs. And there's going to be a flux. You would think, right? That's yeah. a logical thought process. But what has happened? We can't go to Europe. We can't go to, for example, we're Armenia. We can't go to Armenia. You can't go to Canada without uh, quarantining. You can go to Mexico, but how, how many times are you going to go to Cabo, you know? So what are people doing? They're going to Palm Springs. They're going to Santa Barbara. They're going to Vegas. And so Airbnb and short-term rental demand has skyrocketed. I saw your Instagram this last weekend and you, it looked like you were in an Airbnb and you tagged Glendale, California. Don't yeah. you dare tell me that you took a mini vacation, a staycation to Glendale. No, uh, my cousin was in town from Oceanside and he was up for a couple of days. We got a, we got a room in Glendale at this new hotel. So okay. yeah, but let me give you a real life example. Uh, our friends are getting married. So they were doing a bachelorette bachelor party in Palm Springs. Mm. Well, guess what? They both, the girls rented a house. The guys rented a house. Luckily, we rented it early. We, we were able to get our, our hands on a decent Airbnb with a pool. Good times. Well, the night before we're supposed to get out there, one of the Airbnb owners calls and says, hey, look, I have plumbing issues. I can't accommodate you guys. So we say, okay, well, we're gotta, now we're panicking. We got to find another Airbnb. In the whole Coachella Valley, all those cities, Palm Springs, Palm Desert, Rancho Mirage, La Quinta, Cathedral City, there was not one Airbnb for five people available. What does that tell you? That tells you that there's a, a huge demand for short-term rentals in the you know Southern California area and not enough supply. So now I all my investors that were looking to buy in Los Angeles, I keep calling them. One of ours is a mutual friend who shall remain nameless. I told him, listen, forget LA. We're moving your search to Palm Springs. We're going to get you a rental property and you're going to invest less and you're going to re recoup 
the same, if not more, every month because you're going to rent it on Airbnb or VRBO or whatever, and you charge a premium, three three fifty a night at the minimum. Well, plus you can get a long long term guy in there yeah. too, right from Canada. You get yeah. the snowbirds thing there for six exactly. months or whatever. Yeah. I, I sold a house for a client in La Quinta, and that was exactly what he would do. Three months at a time, a family would come from Canada. Whatever he asked, they would pay, and I think they were paying three grand a month. For a two-bedroom, two-bathroom, beautiful house, but it was a small house, no pool, no nothing. It was a community pool uh, in La Quinta, mind you, very nice part of town. And they would come from Toronto or Montreal, pay nine thousand dollars for three months. His mortgage was like probably seventeen, eighteen hundred bucks. So he would clean house, and then stagecoach Coachella, mm-hmm. he would print money, and then the rest of the time either he would enjoy or rent it out again. What did he make- buy the place for, La Quinta? Uh, I think he bought it for like two something, and then no. he. And then he had to sell it because he was buying something in Los Angeles. So we sold it in the mid threes. And he not only did he profit on the sale, but he profited all the time for the two, three years. He owned the place. It was a great, very lucrative investment. Call me if you want to buy something in the Valley. <laughs> we'll give out my number later. Oh, absolutely. Uh, what would you tell the, um, the single girl or guy or the married couple, the newly married couple? I know you said you mentioned earlier to kind of, you know, get that little house. So you're not paying rent. But what if they're not able to afford that little house? Let me give you a real world example. In April, a friend of ours came to us. They came over for dinner and they're like, oh, we're planning our wedding. But now there's this uncertainty. We don't know what's going to happen. September, we're going to get married. But we also want to buy a house because rentals are so expensive. We have a little nest egg put together. So it was either we're going to pay for a big, lavish Armenian wedding or we put the bulk of that as a down payment on a house. I said, you know what? It's up to you. Do you want? I'm not going to deny you you having a great big wedding, but with all this uncertainty, they weren't even able to. So what they did is they said, you know what? Let's take a gamble. Let's look at some houses. We found a townhome in a not the greatest part of Los Angeles, but a decent part of Los Angeles. We bid out nine other offers. It was ten young couples again. Ten offers on one townhome. We beat them out, thanks to my negotiating skills. Uh, insert my phone number here, Mike. <laughs> and you know what? A young couple, you know, they both work. They both have student loans. They grinded. They grinded. They saved up. And instead of paying rent, 2500 bucks or whatever that might have been, now they're paying a little bit more. They borrowed a little bit of money from mom and dad and their nestic they had saved up. And now they own a place. What was the price of the home? 410 410 and they were asking 389 the price went up what is that 21,000 in what city Silmar Silmar but the nice part of Silmar it's a like a 10 year old property like 1600 square feet 1200 square feet yeah something like that a two bedroom two bath beautiful with a balcony the the point of what I'm trying to say is I get it it's very hard and maybe mom and dad aren't in the scenario or the situation to help you out and that's okay renting is not bad renting is a circumstantial thing what I'm saying is if you can put your nose to the grindstone, figure it out, pick up a side gig or whatever it's going to take, get yourself a property because if you're renting, you want to set yourself up for purchasing later. So if your rent is two grand, you want to work hard, try to save enough money so not only you can pay your rent, but you're putting a few bucks aside every month so that you're not renting forever. Don't you feel there are some benefits to just renting? I know a lot of people have rent for 30, 40 years now, right? There's no property tax. Absolutely. Right? Water power on some, on yeah. some properties. It, it, for certain families, certain scenarios, it works. 
And it, it it's, you know, we have friends that they don't like to stay in one place for a long time. They like to be mobile. They like that freedom. Renting works for that. It's a great thing. They, the general rule in real estate or home buying is if you can keep the property for five years or more, buy it. If you don't see yourself in a city, in an area, in a home for at least five years, you should rent because there is a good chance in a normal circumstance, you may not be uh, selling it for a profit within five years. But California is a juggernaut. I bought my house a year ago. It's already appreciated like uh, close to 10%. That doesn't always happen. Obviously, that's an outlier. Generally, they say a home appreciates 3% annually. So what you try to do is if you're there at least five years after selling it and some costs associated with selling, you're going to come out net positive. So the goal is, do you see yourself in this city? Are you going to be okay with this commute to your job for more than five years? If so, you should consider buying. If you're there for a couple of years, you say, you know what? I'm single. I don't know what the next five years brings for me you're probably okay with renting. You don't know because five years is a long time. Five years ago, I had just met my wife. Now I have a almost one-year-old. You know, things are so different in my life than five years ago. Yeah. When did you buy your home? What month? August 2019, exactly a year ago. Okay. And then fast well, forward about five months or so, the pandemic hits. Unbelievable, yeah. What do you think your property was going to be like when that pandemic hit? Look, I, my I know you're long-term there. But yeah, I'm long-term, obviously. I have a different mindset. Even if the market crashed, quote-unquote, I know that I'm going to do everything in my power. I'm going to pick up a third or fourth job. I'm going to sell you know, the clothing I have in my closet to make my payment because I know five, ten years down the line, it doesn't matter where you are, what you're doing, property is going to appreciate and in my luck, I'm blessed. I'm in Los Angeles. My house has already appreciated. The second I bought my house, it was worth more than what I paid because we got lucky. The owners had to sell. They had a family change. They were rushing. And then the outside, there was no curb appeal. We made an aggressive offer. No one else offered more. So we got the house. But again, we paid top dollar considering if I went to Texas, I could have paid half that and had a mansion. But we're not in Texas. On acres. Yeah. In Dallas, I could be retired right now. But I live in Los Angeles, 20 minutes from Stable Center, 20 minutes from Sunset Boulevard, 30 minutes from uh, Sunset Beach. You know, like I live in the greatest 20, 30 mile radius in the world. I would argue that with anybody. By the way, your closet, you said you'd sell some items in your closet, like yeah. clothing. That would pay for your mortgage. What in the hell do you have in your closet that would be Listen, able to pay for your mortgage? You know me in my early 20s. You know, you're young. You're trying to get the attention of the ladies. You buy flashy clothing, things I'm ashamed of, <laughs> things I would never wear now. That'll be on a different podcast, on a whole different episode. <laughs> That's for a video show. We, we want to show off that big gaudy belt. <laughs> Are you seeing any sellers selling their homes because they lost their jobs? Are you seeing any of that? That's a small segment of the population. And believe it or not, that's not going to happen as much as you would think. Right now, what people are going to do is their house is worth so much more than what they originally paid for it or what they owe on it because interest rates are low. They're going to crawl, scratch, and fight to keep their house. 10 years ago, they took out a big loan. The house is worth less. They were underwater, what's considered underwater. So they, they don't care. 
They own more than the house is worth. They walk away and they're better off. Nowadays, the house is worth a lot more than what you owe. So you're not going to walk away. You're going to borrow. You're going to starve. You're not going to go out for dinner. You're going to cook at home, but you're going to pay your mortgage because the house is your bank account. That's your bankroll. There's so what you were asking, that's not going to happen as much. There's very few people walking away from their home right now. They're going to figure it out. The house prices are just astronomical. The average home in California, on average, sells for 660000 But that's like including like Modesto and Bakersfield. If you look at Southern California, the median home average is probably closer to 800000 850000 Another crazy statistic, the house from when it lists to when it closes escrow is just about two months right now. That's including your escrow period. On average, man, it takes less, just about two weeks for a house to go from on sale to in escrow. That is these are lightning fast. These are staggering statistics. So how do you compare that to the previous year? Um, That's well, year to date. Yeah, right? year to date. Um, it's a 19% increase year over year for the, the time on market. And then 34% total uh, unsold inventory index, which means um, from when it was listed to when it sold. So less than two months for a property to get on market, to be off market. Unbelievable. I hate to say it, but I've got a friend who his neighbor hasn't paid his mortgage in a year. So he's finding out ways. He's finding loopholes in the California system. There are a number of ways. The judges keep extending it. And he'll probably get the house back in his name for pennies on the dollar and look for 12 months he didn't make a payment yeah. i should do do that i just sent out my payment a couple of days ago you know it hurts every month a big chunk of that my uh you know bank account goes there but i look at it and everyone should look at real estate as this that's a savings account in the shape of a home it's the same thing as a savings account because five ten years down the line that house is going to be worth more than what you bought it for and all that money if you ever need it, it's available. Yeah, no, there's no denying it that you can snow ski and surf the same day. You can run, hike. You can do anything you want in the city for sure. During the pandemic, and I believe it was June or July, we went up to Lake Arrowhead. Hour 20 from my door to the door of the house we were at. Family friend invited us out. I felt like I was on vacation in the middle of nowhere, but I was an hour 20 from my house. You can't do that in Boise, Idaho. You can't do that in Peoria, Arizona. You know, you're going to have to drive farther. Yeah, there's lakes there. There's beautiful places all over this country. 50 states, all beautiful in their own way. But Los Angeles gives you options. If you want options, you're paying the premium to live here. We have opportunity here, and that is the American dream. In Los Angeles, even in the midst of this pandemic, there is opportunity, and that's why people want to be here. If you hustle, if you work your butt off, you're going to find a way to survive. It's not going to be easy. It's going to be tough, but you're going to find opportunity in this city. That was good stuff. You could tell Misag is passionate about what he does, and I think that is really most important what we're doing today is making sure we're doing things that we are passionate about, and he's having fun doing it. Uh, The real estate market is fun. I think if you dive deep into the real estate market, it doesn't necessarily have to be California. I know that's kind of what we spoke about uh, throughout the show, but there's states outside of California that are even more enticing because you get more bang for your buck and that investment will turn a lot quicker. So uh, if you got a little bit of quid, a little bit of liquid and you're able to, you know, tap into it, you know, California or somewhere else, I think it's still the right investment. 
And just in case you're interested in the real estate market, let that be your guy, Misak. You can email him just in case, and that's Misak at HuntingtonGroup.com. I'll put that in the show notes just in case. Again, the website, if you feel like you want to support the show, a lot of hard work here, and supporting it uh, would mean a lot. So that's it, mikeduppod.com or mikeduppod.com slash shop. And that'll take you directly to the shop page and you can go to town, man. Don't forget promo code thank you without a space. Thank you. And again, thank you so much. You guys have no idea the support that I've gotten throughout this podcast. It means so much. I don't just say that. I really, truly mean that. Thank you so much for making me a part of your day. It really means a lot, especially right now. Times are weird. Yeah, I think there's a lot of anxiousness around the country, maybe the world. You know, it's election time. People are just, there's a lot of uncertainties. And, you know, cutting out 30, 40, 50 an hour of your time to listen to me, I hope it gets you away from that. I really do because I try to do things that gets me away from this stuff. This real world life stuff is, it's really crazy right now. And so I try to escape as much as I can. I, I'm being honest, man. It's sometimes it's really hard for me to, because it's in our face all day long. But if you come here and just try to get away, put your headsets in or when you're driving or your morning routines or your morning workouts, your afternoon and nighttime workouts, whatever it is, cup of coffee, just turn it on, listen to a good podcast, get you away from what you're doing, gets you away from the real world, kind of escape. And hopefully you learn something at the same time, because that's what's most important. I always say, it, man, we try to do our best to win each day. It's not, not easy, but as long as you have that mentality, it's all that matters. I am Mike Gabriel. This was Mike the Pod. Until next time, folks. No wasted days. Let's go.